Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast. In your week in IndyCar guest episode, really happy to say my man, my pal, Marco Andretti, joining us for the first time in the good old week in IndyCar. I'm going to say thank you to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets USA. Before we get rolling here with Marco, really happy to say as well, finally confirmed something we've known about for a little while, Mayor of Hinchtown, James Hinchcliffe, will be joining Marco the month of May, two races, Indy Grand Prix and the 500, and then one more at Texas afterwards. So the brand is strong. The brand is getting even stronger. As I steal that line from one of my favorite shows, Jesus and Miro, we got our man, Marco. He and I spend more time on the subject of hip hop and things that we like than we do talking about racing. So I'm really glad we're going to get a chance to focus on the racing side. Although I think there's some questions that might lead us towards hip hop. Nonetheless, let's get rolling with our man. Third generation, two wins to his record so far. Feels like, feels like we might be able to add to that this year. If his plans for mid to late career rejuvenation pan out, I'll brought to you here in this conversation coming up on the Marshall Pro Podcast. Holy cow. We got the Marco Andretti. Like, I'm feeling so good. I also felt bad, Marco, that although I've been doing this show for a while, <clears throat> and you and I speak on a regular basis about non-motor racing things, it occurred to me like, hey, idiot, you could ask Marco if he wants to come join in and do our listener Q&A. So thanks for taking some time, my man. Uh, it's my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, in this awesome listener Q&A format, we wander all over the place. So why don't we start that wandering, brother, with two sure. questions on the topic of aero screens coming out of last week's spring training, one from Alan McNulty, another one from Dave Heisen. Alan says, Marco, how do you feel about the new aero screen? More importantly, what do you think the overall opinion might be from your fellow drivers? So what do you think from driving with it in front of you? And what's the buzz when you're talking with your uh, fellow IndyCar drivers about it? Um, well, I mean, I was for it before I drove it. I'm for it after I drove it. And I would say it was probably a mixed bag before we drove it amongst uh, the field. And uh, and then I'd say it's pretty unanimous now because I think, um, you know, a lot of the people that, you know, they would they would have all these questions. What, what if this? What if that? Um, it it, it kind of like we – Coda was perfect. Because, uh, you know, we had the, the rain, which was honestly my only concern. And uh, I, it, the rain just disperses just with the speed we, we run, you know. Um, even in the slow corners, you're going fast enough to where it, it moves the water. So um, stuff like that. Getting in and out. You can't get out. I know, unfortunately, from experience, you can't get out when you're upside down before the windscreen. Um, so, you know, that was uh, – that really doesn't matter. Um and then, you know, in the driver's meetings and stuff, you get questions. Well, what if you're hit with this? What if you're hit with that? It's like, well, it withstand that. And it's like, well, the alternative is, is it's hitting your head. So <laughs> it's yeah. gotta be, it's gotta be a little better. So, um, no, I think my personal opinion, I, I tweeted it the other day. I just, I, I believe it's going to become the new normal. And I think it's, uh, 
I think, you know, in a few years, people are just going to be, you know, looking at this era of motorsport, like, wow, we were crazy too. You know, <laughs> even now, now we're the safe ones. And I mean, the seventies were the horror years. There's no, um, there's no, uh, as soon as aerodynamics came into play and the co- cars were cornering so much faster, that was dangerous. But, um, and we're the safe era. And then, you know, in five, 10 years, we're going to be the crazy ones again. That's just the way evolution works in my opinion. No, I love it. Uh, Dave Heisen adds to that. What do you think about using the aero screen at Indy? We know that we're going to get extra turbo boost for the 500, but he asks, do you think that is needed? And also what about cockpit cooling? Well, I'm a driver, so more power is always needed. Um, and I think, uh, at Indy, I think that's where we want it. You know, the real, real high speed places. Um, you know, I'm not, that's, I haven't driven it. I've only driven it at Coda right now. Um, so I haven't driven it on, on the oval. So, um, I just think that, you know, our engineers and everybody, the teams are so good that we'll just account for the changes of it. You know, yeah, it's a bit heavier, but in a few years, hopefully we shed, shed some weight off. Um, and then from a cooling standpoint, I mean, that's the only thing we didn't really test because it was really cold in, in Coda. So that wasn't an issue. So, um, uh, you know, I know Bell from my standpoint is really working on, uh, on, you know, the head cooling and stuff like that. Um, you know, I've been in touch with the NASCAR boys about what to do for the core. Um, so, you know, I just think uh, we'll just have to figure it out, right? I mean, it's just something we're going to have to learn by fire. Um, and, well, hopefully be ahead of it. But, uh, yeah, on a hot day, maybe our, our core is, is sort of my only concern with no uh, wind flow. Or, yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm hearing that our show partners at Bell are also developing something for the uh, the helmet hose the tube feeding the top of the helmet so you have your choice of vanilla scented filter coming through lavender just so you know it smells <laughs> nice and fresh inside the helmet uh <laughs> let's go to greg fetchik who asks a question that uh boy our hearts have been heavy but we've also been really thankful he says mark are there any stories you might want to share or just reflect about john Andretti? he says most of us have only known him from afar but he always seemed like a really righteous guy. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, that's the guy I aspire to be. I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, just a credit to that whole side of the family, really. I mean, uh, they're just, I mean, his, his immediate family, what a beautiful family. He's did such a great job with, uh, with his kids and, and Nancy as well. So, um, and you know, it just, when you talk to them, you, you just, you just know they did it right. And so, uh, um, honestly, Jeff Burton said it the best. He said it to Jared, you know, and, and the kids basically, if you're ever wondering what to do and you come to a why, just, you know, if you choose, you think about what, what John would do. I mean, it's going to be the right decision, you know, and every, every trial and tribulation you come into. And, and the guy, I think what I love about him the most is how selfless he was, mm. um, and, you know, I, I remember even my wife just having like stomach issues and stuff like that. And he would check on her so much and, you know, in the middle of going through all his stuff and he'd send her recommendations and stuff. And he's just, you know, he's worried about other people more than himself, you know, and I think that's a really rare trait to have. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's so many stories. I mean, uh, uh, racing wise, I mean, he'd call, <laughs> he'd always call and say, Hey, do you got a minute? 
it's never a minute. It's normally <laughs> at least an hour, which, which I love, um, you know, cause we just talk about every aspect of the sport and, and, uh, you know, he was a big fan and believer in me. And, and, you know, I, I look back at all the texts. I mean, he supports me through every single race and, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's not one story that sticks out. It's just, um, well, one thing that I'm definitely going to miss is every, every, uh, March, his birthday's on the 12th and mine's on the 13th. Um, he'd always be my first text and I'd always be his first text on his birthday. And, mm. uh, um, and so, but he would make sure that I don't celebrate my birthday till his was concluded. So, yeah. um, you know, that was always, always funny. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just what an incredible guy. Mm. Mm. Let's go Marco. Where should we go next? Uh, Peter Knudsen has a question, knowing that obviously Hinch was announced today as uh, going to come and party for a couple of races here with the team in March, uh, May and June. <clears throat> he says, curious, when you worked with Fernando Alonso when he came to the Speedway for the first time, just curious about how that experience went and also wonders if you enjoyed working with someone in Fernando who was totally new to oval racing. I guess that that's an interesting one to ponder, Marco, because while you still are the baby-faced guy who looks like you're five years old, you're doing this for a long time now. So in theory, I would imagine you'd be able to feed Fernando some some good wisdom and tips on how to get around the place. Um, yeah, I mean, I was able to shake his car down, so I was able to, to uh, drive it before he did it, which really, really helps. I mean, when you come into a team like ours, um, it, it's it really accelerates your learning curve if you will so um you know he i went out and showed him the car can run flat and then we added a little bit of downforce and he jumped in and and eventually got it flat just but it for a driver's confidence knowing that your machine can go and do it is is really big um i had the luxury of i think having dad drive my car when i was a rookie he was my teammate at the time and uh yeah i mean it's just this team has such a wealth of knowledge that uh he was he was able to tap into that and uh and then you see what happens when you don't have the knowledge right so um you, you can be the best driver in the world and that's what happens so um but yeah i had a lot of fun working with him i think what's what was awesome about him is the the caliber driver he was he is um he attacked it like a rookie and he was very he had questions and he was in the simulator every single day i mean you know instead of just showing up and now oh, you know i'm good and and, uh, I mean, he worked at it and I think his worth work ethic and, uh, you know, just, just how hard he, he works at every little detail of it was, uh, was admirable. Yeah. But that was a bit of the, uh, the proverbial, uh, beneath the water motion with him. Things looked real smooth and calm on the top side of the surface, but he was working mm-hmm. his butt off behind the scenes yep. before enduring to make sure that uh yeah he absolutely was as mm-hmm. on top of his game as possible uh let's mm-hmm. go to uh here we go we got a couple folks who want to know about detroit last year uh in the rain i don't know if that stings or not still it pissed me off uh, <laughs> i wouldn't forget that anytime soon but got a couple folks jordan mcmillan casey coolidge and, and a few others we'll go with jordan's this is marco what were your thoughts on the outlap in the wet at Detroit on slicks. He says the onboard video looked crazy. Casey said something similar. Someone else said, Hey, do you feel like you kind of got jobbed by uh, race control? So take us back, man. That sure felt like a day where you should have been standing on the top step of the podium. 
Yeah, it, it stings just because it's one of those where we, we take a risk, not only for me, but, you know, we're we're out there risking the equipment, right? So we go and, and crash it. It ends up being for no reason. But the risk I took should have had a, a, a lot bigger reward. And because, uh, um, you know, it would have been a bummer if I go out and stuff it. And then it wouldn't have mattered anyway, you know. So, um, yeah, I was able to keep it off the wall. Um, and the tires were just coming in. So all I needed was that yellow because, I mean, the chances of a yellow when people come out on slicks is extremely high. So that's what I was going for. And I knew if we just didn't stuff it that we would have cycled to the front. Um, but uh, my goal this year is to just qualify at the front just so I don't need those brakes and don't need those wrists. But uh, um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, it took me back to just my old ATV days and, and just, just driving off natural talent, nothing else. And uh um, you know, or, you know, um, just reactions and stuff like that. And didn't have time to, th- you asked me what my thoughts were. I, I didn't have time to think about anything else. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I remember having a, a couple close ones there, but I had a smile on my face the whole time. Yeah. I love the ATV angle. I guess I hadn't really put that together as a place where you're like, yeah, where am I going to draw my experience from? Oh yeah. ATVs, crazy terrain. Yeah, exactly. I got it. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Let's go to let's go to John Richter. He says, Marco and MP, what do you guys been listening to lately? Uh Brett Ross asks, Marco, what's your favorite ludicrous song? And uh boy, let me try Horatio Frey says, uh, how horrible is Marshall's taste in music? <laughs> <laughs> um well I think you have good taste. I mean, you and I share playlists, obviously. Um, but I get this this question, you know, what's your favorite song or what's what's that? I mean, I am so diverse when it comes to music. I mean, at the cabin, I like oldies, rock, alternative, stuff like that. Um, and then at yeah, workout is when I bring out the hip-hop and the house music. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's so hard to pick one at the cabin. Um, you know, Tom Petty's one that pops in my mind, uh, Chili Peppers, stuff like that alternative stuff look at that yeah yeah exactly i like uh alternative wise i like greta van fleet and the blue stones are a good one um but yeah i mean you and i align on hip-hop a lot i like the new lil wayne um let's see timberlake's a good one the weekend's a good one and then yeah luda and ice i think (laughs) favorite luda song i don't know um he's got a lot of good stuff but uh racing wise how about move get out the way i, like I that mean <laughs> that that's if that wasn't written for you i don't know what was and <laughs> i do appreciate the fact that this isn't just blowing smoke but i ask this music's been a lifelong companion a massive part of my life and yeah. so naturally i ask those that i'm in and around this you know what i do for a living about that it's hard to get a lot of drivers find a lot of drivers who have a similar passion to yours right everybody air quote likes music it happens to most people though not at least in our world have i found many who actually constantly pursue it constantly look for things to enrich you know their passion for it you're one of few so I'll ask yeah, New Garden, too. and it's, uh, well, you know, whatever's on the radio. And I'm like, oh, you're killing me. He likes Come Justin on. Bieber. That's my well, guess. He likes Bieber. That, cause, that's because he <laughs> tried out 14 times for boy bands as a kid and, uh, you know, <laughs> couldn't make the uh, Tennessee Five or, you know, whatever little groups he was trying to get into. But, oh, Lord, that guy's a mess, but whatever. Uh, where's, what's he ever done in life? That's all I'm saying. He's going nowhere, <laughs> that guy. 
Um, all right. So this one quite interesting. Uh, you, our pal David Mousher wrote about this, uh, I think a week ago or two about your plans to go back and see Rob Wilson, who I watched back in the day over here in Barber Saab and some other racing series. And he was an extremely good race car driver. He has been in the business for a while now of training, educating, and adding to race car drivers with his school. So we got Michael Everson who asks, I'd like to know what sort of techniques and exercises Rob Wilson previously worked with you on and what sort of things, Marco, you're targeting this time around to do when you guys get together. I should also ask, because I don't know if you guys have already gotten together. Um, He also wonders, is there anything that you learned last time when you had that pretty amazing 2013 season that you feel like maybe some of those things you learned might have fallen away? So, I don't know, maybe share the, the thought process of maybe I want to go back and spend more time with Rob. What do you want to do? And did you feel like you lost touch with any of the things you gained? Uh, yeah, possibly. I mean, it's, this is a sport that you need to work at constantly, you know, and, and, uh, um, you know, when you, we don't have the luxury of him being over here in the States, it, it's a little bit tougher, but I'm going to go over race week at St. Pete and, uh, you know, the guys are right. I love working with him and he's, uh, he's very blunt and, uh, we have fun together. And what I like about what we do and the process he uses is that, um, he, we use a streetcar. And what it does is it really, you know, obviously the weather is not always awesome over there in the UK, but uh, we run in the wet, we run whatever. And uh, what I like about the streetcar aspect of it is it really exaggerates your inputs as a driver. And it's very easy to go over the potential of of a car like that. And so there's ways of, of, uh, you know, just trying to smooth me out. I think I go quicker with that. and it just exaggerates your inputs and it makes it makes it more obvious what you're doing and if you if you go over the tire it's going to stop producing what you want which is grip and so uh i just think uh over there you learn to drive within those limits and and learn to smooth out your your uh you know all your inputs and everything like that i think it it really uh it shows when you get back in an indie car i think you know a lot of times you know you look at you know, a lot of my issues and qualifying and stuff like that is it's easy to sit there and say, oh, I'll just drive harder, push harder. But it's, more often than not with me, it's about the opposite. It's about, you know, bringing it within the tire and, and not overdriving a car. Um, and then there's some where, you, you know, you have to push harder. So it's, it's very, very tough to uh, to diagnose what you're doing wrong. And, and uh, you know, with, with him sitting right next to you in the car, he'd be like, oh, see, see what you just did right there? And then you come back the next lap and you smooth it out. And now it's in your head. Um, and it's, it's something that you just, you want repetition on and, and it'd be great to do it race week. So, you know, the, the other thing, the other question we've gotten Marco on this exact topic is, so you're a professional race car driver, right? Like you've been mm-hmm. doing this for a while too. Uh, haven't you already learned the stuff you should know? It's a little bit of a dismissive question. I have to admit, but for those who don't understand, maybe share some insights on this that you know there's there's no embarrassment or negativity to wanting to go work with a driver coach as you know within your own team uh there's a driver coach many indycar teams employ full-time people who do nothing but work with the drivers and it's not like okay marco break 
uh, turn right. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're not talking that level. We're talking. Right. We're you, talking to find that extra couple tens and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, so he's not teaching me the basics of it. You know, it's, it's just, uh, um, it's one of those, I mean, you look at a guy like Tom Brady and you look at a guy like, well, I remember Peyton Manning and people who they're already at the top of their, their sport and the top of their game. Well, okay. I'm at, I'm at the top of the sport, but I got to be at the top of my game. Um, you know, and I think even when they were at the top of, of their game, they're working, you know, you gotta be working, you know, and, uh, I, I just don't want to leave a, a stone unturned. This is a very, very important season for me. I mean, last year I had the worst season at the worst time to have the worst season, you know, with at this point in my career. So, um, you know, I want to keep driving, I want to earn it. And so I need to do everything I can, you know, not just run on a treadmill. I mean, and, and the problem with these off seasons is there's, uh, um, there's a lot of it, you know? And so, uh, and this year in particular, we had our meetings a month earlier and now testing started a month later because of part availability with the windscreen. I mean, the off season is boring. Right. And so, um, and there's only so many sports car opportunities out there after a year like that. So, um, that's what I want to do, you know, and I'm just, trying to work on myself and, and be better. Man, I wish the off season was boring. Pardon my French, <laughs> but shit's been going haywire from the moment it started with the drivers in and out. So, but from your yeah. side, I can absolutely see that. Let's, let's stay on this topic. Cause this is the side of the sport that fascinates me so much. So you and I spoke about this, whatever it was, however many years ago, when you went and spent time with Rob, we saw just immediate little tweaks that paid off. You had your best season ever, fifth in the championship. I mean, it was an impressive thing, man. Last year, certainly uh, one you would love to do over. I know that. What is it, Marco, about the, not necessarily the technical side, but the mental side that you have done, are doing, or might do? You know, I don't know if it's working with a, a sports psychologist coach a mental you know coach and such but it seems like that would be an area i know our our listener ryan terpster has a question on this topic seems like an area where adding that side if you haven't already might be just as big of of a boost because at least from what we hear from you sometimes you know whether it's frustration for things not going the right way or otherwise it seems like locking in the mental approach even more would complement anything you do on the technical driving improvements as well. No, oh, it's, it's a huge part. It really is. And, and, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have, I have looked into it. I have started doing it. I, uh, um, used to think if you needed it, it's a weakness, it shows weakness and all that. But I really, once I've started it, it's, uh, it's a tool. It really is. It's a, it's a tool. And it's, uh, like I said about not leaving a stone unturned, I'm on that side of it too. Um, you know, I am in a very good mental place right now. Um, despite all, all of what's happened last season and everything like that, I think it does make you tougher if we're able to come out the other side looking good. So, uh, that's my biggest goal with it right now. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm on that side of it as well. Last question on this topic. So the thing about getting yourself in the right headspace going into a new season, that's vital. I think every driver really does dedicate time to that, maybe except for Dixon. He's a little bit of a savant. It seems like he just shows up and drives and it all kind of works out. But whether it's Power, Pagano, yourself, 
a lot of drivers really just beyond the being in the gym, beyond any driver driving, coaching stuff, they really try and focus their minds heavily. But then there comes that when thing doesn't go right, right? And whatever happens, tire pressures are wrong in the Firestone Fast 12 at St. Pete, and you don't make the Fast 12, and you're pissed off, and there will be other drivers, similar type thing. And all that going to start the year right and feel good, and damn it, Saturday afternoon, you're pounding the table going, what the F, which can then lead to a pretty steep downturn. How do you fight against that? How do you you guard yourself against those kind of dips that inevitably could happen? It's a reset button. It's like a mental reset button. And I think as drivers, we need that not just after a session, but after a turn. I mean, if you go through and there's there's an error that costs you two tenths, Mm. it's very easy to let that lap just end up way worse than that. So it's, it's, it's tough to, because as a driver, you lose two tenths, you go into the next corner, you're going to try to make that up. That's the first thing you want to do. So then you're overdriving the next corner. So I think it's to answer that bluntly, it's a reset button, you know? And, uh, and you know, we have the, the luxury in our sport, like, you know, we have the diversity to where you come off a bad race at, at Indy and you can go have a really good one at Detroit. Right. And so, um, actually Brian Hurd is the one who said this, like we could have terrible days and, and, you know, he's been there in the sport, but some, somehow when you wake up the next morning, you're just ready to do it again, you know, because, uh, um, number one, you know, deep down you can, um, otherwise I would have stopped a while ago and, uh, and you just keep trying. You just, the way we're wired, I mean, there, there is no quit, you know, as long as we're, we have the, uh, the sponsors are going to do this. Cause I mean, the sport is as much as a business as anything, um, you know, I wouldn't be here without sponsors. If my car wasn't in the green financially, I'm not here, you know? So as long as it is, I want to be here. I love it. And I'm going to work my butt off at it. I love it, man. I also love the fact that you and Brian have just become a really solid and effective unit. You know, he's the, he could easily go become a monk somewhere just preaching chill and relaxation. Uh, there's a calming influence to young Mr. Herta that uh, is pretty pretty awesome. Uh, also a lot of wisdom there to be shared. Let's go to, uh, I think, one of your biggest fans on the planet, Cutressa uh, Hoggis, who sent in here, says, Marco, I think it might be hard to talk about maybe, but can you tell us a little bit about Indy 2019 and what went wrong? Uh, he says whether she says whether it's technically or personally, you know, when you're the bolt that's holding the team together, how do you handle the expectations for a big event we want you to win, but sometimes doesn't pan out that way? There was even a bigger expectation. That was that was one of those where not only when I look at last year as a whole, with bad timing of it being my one of my worst seasons, um, that was the worst timing. Indy 500 wise yeah. for the worst event. So it was like a double blow and, uh, 50th anniversary um, of, of Mario's of Mario. win in yeah. that livery. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it was, it's one of those where when I came away from it and looked at it, it it's kind of a little bit of clarity from a standpoint of that wasn't about me. You know, it was kind of like in the, Oh yeah, Marco's racing too, you know? So, <laughs> um, I want it to be more about me going forward, but, um, yeah, no, it all just, you know, it was a perfect, horrible storm. And, uh, we just missed it on setup. We were nowhere near the other cars, and that's one of the luxuries of having this team. Is when somebody else does go good, you can you can piggyback it and and uh, just have your one or two offsets. But we I don't think we had 
anything the same on the car. And uh, whether it's me leading him the wrong direction, I don't know. But um, yeah, it was just it just went wrong, and uh, we missed it, and we missed it big. And which on the ovals at that speed, it's 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 not that hard to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just think it was one of those where we knew we were swinging, and I guess you, you have to swing for the fence, especially with all all of that going on. But uh, it just went the wrong way. Um, but you know, I think the old me and some of my best results there has, has been. Uh, conservative and, and you run the first 400 miles as a marathon and then a sprint at the end, you know, I forgot about the fact we need to put ourselves in a position at the end instead of just, you know, swinging for the fences going out of it. So uh, we just missed it. I mean, it, it just was, uh, that was one of the worst set of races in my, my life. That was one of the worst days of my life, you know? And oh. uh, yeah, it was a, it was a tough blow. So we take it on the chin and we work harder and, um, we go back this year and, and do what I know I can do. You know, I've been on the podium there four or five times. Um, you know, probably should have won it three or four times. So we just need to go and capitalize on it. And, uh, with this sport, it doesn't take much to put you in it and take you out of it. So that's, that's why we keep coming back. Um, as long as we're blessed to have sponsors, we do. When you're out there riding around asking yourself, Wonder if we went back to my 2005 Infinity Pro Series setup, if that might help. Uh, <laughs> you're having a bad day. You're having a bad day. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Shauna Oakwood. Who says, Marco, what has been your favorite livery you've run over the years? She says, hashtag me personally. I love the Indiana Jones car uh, from the 2008 Indy 500. The fedora and the whip and the driver intros were the best. She also says, best of luck this season. Yeah, yeah, I've been blessed to have a lot of amazing sponsors and liveries. Um, I like the Venom one. We were able to get a win for them with Dr. Pepper Snapple. Um, and then, yes, I mean, I have to echo her. I, that was one of my favorites. I have the rear wing turned into a table here at the cabin um, of the Indiana Jones. So that was uh, that was an awesome one. I think we should have won that day, not taking anything away from Dixon. Um, we led a lot of laps, and we had a little mistake on the uh, the second last pit stop which kind of cost me and i think i finished third but um so yeah that was a bummer we should, that was one that got away but uh yeah so those two we, we actually ran star wars at sonoma yeah. in 2008 that was pretty cool the clone wars and um the swords were actually my suspension so it was really cool um so they've done some great jobs and my sister did a, an amazing job with the mario scheme last year so that that's why it hurts even worse <laughs> uh well, let's go back this year with it, right? Again, Marco's yeah. going to have a kind of a do-over. Who cares if it's a 51st anniversary? We're going to pretend it's a 50th. Uh, let's go to Mark Curlin. says, Marco is a Lehigh Valley resident. I was very disappointed that IndyCar isn't coming back to Pocono. He asks, did you like racing there? And he wonders, do you think we might ever get a chance to go back? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, that, that question's above me. But, uh, yeah, I did enjoy racing there. Um that uh, that was one that got away too. That when we should have won the one that, that we came back in 2013. I mean, we were quickest both practices on pole, dominating the race, and got mixed up with fuel there in the end. And uh, I don't even know if I ended in the top ten. Yeah, maybe I finished ninth or tenth. So that one hurt. Um, yeah, I have a lot of fun um, driving there, and, and selfishly, I could sleep in my own bed, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it it wasn't in the cards this season. All right, we're going to get down to the last handful of questions here. A couple folks, Marco, curious about the craziest name for an entry almost 
in IndyCar history. I can't even I can't even commit it to memory. It's so long for your number ninety eight mm-hmm. car with all the names attached. Um, Brian Dunbar says, Marco, could you explain a little bit of, regarding your ownership stake in the number ninety eight car? Uh, he says it seems many don't know that you've made an investment in the team, uh, and he also says. Uh, is it correct that U.S. Concrete comes to the team through your efforts uh, to link up with them instead of someone else bringing them in? Um, well, I mean, they they were family friends, you know, so we were really fortunate. And up here in the mountains in the Poconos, um, they were actually neighbors in Nazareth as well, Sam Brooks. And um, so, yeah, we were actually, we went to, uh, we always go to Mario's, outside Mario's uh, lake house for New Year's. And that's where it sort of started, um, you know, knowing, uh, that we, we were in search of sponsorship that year and, and, um, yeah, we were able to make something happen. So it was a, it was a really cool story having them involved, um, you know, from that standpoint. Um, and then, yeah, from the, yeah, name partner side, I mean, that was one where I just wanted to be more involved in, in the, on the technical side of my entry as far as like, you know, be able to be privy to more information than, than maybe in the past because it's, and I think what I've noticed with that is, is what a great job, um, the team does because I think before, you know, when you're a driver, you, you see them make certain moves and you sort of question why you don't really know why. But now sort of being able to be there and, and know why they, they do these certain things. I mean, you know, we have really good people in there. That's all it confirmed for me. You know, I, I'm not going in there flipping tables and, and saying we need to do this and this and this. It's just it's just being privy and being more involved in, in certain conversations. And Can you know, I get you to talking. flip a table just for fun? Just walk in for no reason to a meeting like five minutes late. Just throw a chair and sit down and don't tell them why. That would yeah, be just, awesome. Yeah, just don't explain myself. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's you know, I'm able to, to work closer with like the Rob Edwards and the Eric Bressman and stuff like that, and and I'm just I'm able to be on more calls with them and and uh, personnel wise, be a little little bit more involved. You know, I think last year being able to change my engineer out earlier, um, nothing against my last engineer. It's just all about the relationship um, from driver engineer and. Uh, when we were able to bring Garrett in, you know, we, we knew that we wanted to do it for this season, but I said, you know, unfortunately my season's already gone. Like, so why don't we, instead of starting next year, why don't we start now? Start building early. Yeah. And so we have a little bit of continuity going into 2020. And so, you know, we were able to do that and stuff like that. So, um, and you know, honestly, I think since we've done the switch, I don't think we should have been out of the top 10 since, you know, at the end of last year. So I, I like, that that momentum wise so and testing's been fun and and um and you know we're kind of right back in it so it's it's been fun john olsakowski adds to this marco he says has team ownership altered your thought process or mentality at all when you are in the car oh no 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 it's it's uh it's strictly uh, you know when you're away from the racetrack even. Um, and it's, it's one of those where I don't think much has changed anyway. I really, from a business side, I knew a lot of what's going enough, not all what's going on with the team before. Um, and so, yeah, it was just one of those where from a technical standpoint, a, a competition side, I'm just a little bit more involved. And so it's been fun. 
I can just imagine you banging wheels with somebody or maybe busting up an end plate going, oh, crap, that's $3,419 right there. Hopefully you're not doing that while <laughs> you're in the carpenter car. about that. <laughs> Ed's the only driver in IndyCar that keeps a calculator in the cockpit just to make sure he can tally up any of the silliness. Uh, Craig Johnson, great question here. I love callbacks to silliness. Marco, after getting Connor Daly to go running with you last year during the month of May, who's your target for this season? He says, hashtag me personally. Graham Rahal seems like a good running buddy. Are you amazed <laughs> at how much interest that drew? It just seems so random, but awesome. So who are you targeting? Because, you know, the heck with that Daily guy. He's old news. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just kind of go myself. And if somebody sees me going out, they can join along. But, uh, um, yeah, Hinch and I have run together a lot. Now, fortunately, he'll be back around. So that'd be fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Anything during rain delays is interesting, right? So I think if there was cars on track, I don't know if the cameras would have been on us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's go to Philip Schmitz. Says Marco, you've made some comments in the past during Q&A sessions on Twitter about maybe having an interest in NASCAR. Says, have you had any real significant talks about doing that at some point in time in the future? Um, I have. I mean, uh, I think what would be cool is a, is a road course Xfinity. Um, you know, I think, uh, Connor and stuff like that had a go at it, but, uh, I think that would be a start. But uh, as far as the ovals go, which is the majority of their, their schedule, um, that to me seems like baseball and basketball. So, um, so it's one of those where, um, I don't know, I don't care how good you get at IndyCar. I think it'd be like a pretty big, uh, reset getting there. So, um, I don't know at this stage if, if that's a thing, but, um, it would be fun to do a couple of races for sure. Justin Everett, similar question on another series. And I'll mention this because you and I talk about this infrequently, but I still have the footage I shot from practice at Sebring in 2008 for the 12 hour of you because you have absolute insane tendencies in your brain going flat through turn one in your Acura LMP2 car. I think I might be the only one to do that. I, I Look, if someone else has done it, they haven't raised their hand. And it's just sheer coincidence. I was, da- I mean, I'm there reporting on stuff, but there with my video camera filming. And I remember sending that in to uh, Wind Tunnel for them to use and people just losing their mind about what is wrong with that child? Don't, doesn't he know you're not supposed to do that? So Justin... <laughs> And knowing that you've done more than just uh, Sebring there, but he says, Marco, you've, uh, you know, you've been able to do a little bit of endurance racing at the 12 hours of Sebring, 24 hours of Daytona. Also, let's not forget uh, what your, your Lamont stint with Rebellion. Curious, with all the things that are going on now in the WC and IMSA in the future, with the hypercars and the new DPI 2.0s, got any interest to try and add more of those races back into your life? And he also asks, what are the chance of dragging along your dad and your grandfather? <laughs> I think my grandfather's in. You'd have to talk my dad into it. Totally. Um, yeah, for sure. But, uh, no, that's something that yeah, I've always looked at, you know, for that would be great after IndyCar and stuff. Now, granted, I would love to do it during, um, but I, I think you have to do it after a really solid season, you know, where they're not beating my door down after watching my IndyCar season last year for opportunities. But it's kind of a double-edged thing because I – I, I have other opportunities that I, I don't want to – I want to drive the prototypes only because I'm not one that, that uh, wants to run two different races and, and you know, have to watch 
um, the prototype speed on the straights and stuff like that. I'd, I'd want to be in that class and go for overall. So I think it's a combination of me wanting to go for an overall win and, and just availability after not a good season. So, um, so yeah, I mean, obviously if a, if a great opportunity comes up, I'd love it, but I want to go and earn it. I want to go have a good year and then, uh, um, then, you know, make the right calls from there. But, uh, yeah, I think post IndyCar, it's an ideal, um, retirement for sure. Going to add one final kind of other thing question here from Kevin Frederico he says outside of sports cars, is there anything else that you'd really love to try, whether it's rallying off road, hill climb, drifting, etc.? Do you have a, call it a non-traditional, Ooh, if I get a chance to do that, I'm there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll drive anything really. I mean, I, I, uh, I was out in the dunes with a bunch of crazy NASCAR guys, um, couple months ago that was so fun but i don't know about uh races like that but um yeah rally i actually tested our our grc cars um actually equaled scott speed when i did it was a lot of fun and uh there's no jumps though so Uh it was all flat but um yeah i mean rally would be fun but uh yeah probably rally would be the the one I'm thinking monster trucks, man. If you want to jump, I mean, you know, do it right. I mean, granted, those Robbie Gordon, those stadium super trucks are, are pretty amazing. Also looks those like would be fun too. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to employ a full time freaking chiropractor to, to like stretch your spine exactly. back out like an accordion. All right. Exactly. We've got two questions on future stuff. And then one final question before we say farewell, my friend. So we'll go with Tristan Wood. So Mark, I know you're not done racing, but do you have feature plans for the sport after you're done driving says i know you've invested in the your team and the car that you drive but any plans on wanting to take over for your dad on the business side at some point in time many years down the road um i think i think that's his baby quite honestly um you know he's he's earned it he's he's uh built a racing empire you know where obviously our whole family is very proud of that um but i think when you look at a guy like roger penske it doesn't seem like he's slowing down. So, and dad's the type of guy, I mean, he'll go well into his eighties. So, you know, from that standpoint, I don't know if that's, um, you know, that's still what, 25 years away. So, um, there's a big gap we need to bridge. Right. So, um, as far as the holding company and all that, that's different. So plus I mean, my sister's doing a great job business wise there too, for the team. So who knows what the future of that is. That's more of a question for dad, but, um, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of, a lot of vested interests outside of the sport, but, uh, one way or another, I'll be a part of the sport. I love it too, too much. Mark B asks a question on the other side. He says, do you envision yourself being more of a CEO type after you're done driving? Uh, he asks about the Andretti racing side businesses, but you know, you are someone who is not waited until, or hasn't said i'm going to wait till i'm done driving to then explore business and other aspects of life maybe share with folks that indeed you're not the guy who does the uh uh, gym tan laundry routine every day um you've been pretty darn busy on the just straight up business aspect uh separate from indycar for a while now yeah i'm just trying to be smart you know because uh this this uh this income doesn't last forever and we've been so fortunate to be going into my 15th year and stuff like that but um you know it's it's all well and and good when you have no bills as a rookie but then you got to figure out how 
how to sustain stuff. So uh, I've been lucky enough to make some decent investments in real estate and and actually somehow make money on an airplane with with a great partner. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, there, I have a lot of stuff outside the sport, but that's more of, uh, it's almost fun hobbies for me, but, but, uh, I think my life revolves around the sport. It's just, I'm trying to, trying to be smart about retirement. All right. We're going to go to our last question, which we save for last because it lasts a perfect closer from our pal, Jeff Greendike. So is Marco given any race car that a member of the Andretti family has driven in the past? Which one would you love to get behind the wheel and have a proper go in it? And that's almost unfair, brother, because there's only about a thousand items to pick from. Right. Um, I don't know. The 78 Lotus, or I guess it'd be 79 Lotus would be pretty cool. Um, just to, just to see the evolution of, of it, you know? Um, but then, uh, I mean, the height of the horsepower of the sport was, was dad, you know, in the two thousands, those, those would be great too. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess a McLaren formula one in the nineties would be pretty cool too. Like you said, there's a lot. You could almost spend whenever you decide to air quote, retire from full-time <laughs> IndyCar, you could almost spend the rest of your life on a world tour. Now we're going to drive grandpa's <laughs> Daytona 500 winning cup car. And then we're going to go, oh Lord, be cool. all kinds of fun. Well, Marco brother. Thank you for making some time here. It was a blast. I am confident our listeners will have enjoyed this. They might say the host sucks, but I think they're going to be happy with the guests. So thanks for making some time, my friend, and really look forward to not only seeing your season start off properly, but hopefully having you back here on the show before too long. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, man. And uh, just so you know, our uh, prayers are with your wife with her uh, battle with cancer. And don't forget to check it for Andretti. I think, uh, John Andretti saved a lot of lives already with early detection. So um, check it for Andretti. Amen and amen. And we will speak to you all next week.